Well, the Edmonton Police Service has been uh, in, the, in the hot seat over the past couple of days, and it comes following a video that was made public of an incident between an officer and a woman. It was uh, recorded, I think, last Thursday. The 12-second video recorded the interaction between a, a woman and an Edmonton Police Service member on 100th Street between 105th and 106th Avenues. Now, according to both the person who took the video and Edmonton Police, two women on the street across from the Hope Mission were having an argument when police were flagged down. Police say the woman was armed with a knife. She refused to drop it and attempted to walk away from the officer. And that is when she was shoved from behind by the officer and fell to the ground. EPS said the knife in question was seized and the woman was arrested for possession of a weapon dangerous to the public. Well, the video quickly made the rounds on the internet, resulting in a lot of questions and some outrage about what some believe was excessive use of force by the officer. Now, I can tell you that EPS have now decided against laying any charges, saying intoxication was considered a factor in the incident and there was no willing complainant in the case. I want to get into it a whole lot more with Staff Sergeant Mike Elliott, who is the president of the Edmonton Police Association. Mike, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you, Jaylene. All right. Um, I have so many questions for you uh, on on this one. In this situation, when there was allegedly a knife in the hand, there was claims of a gang affiliation. Um, the person in question was walking away from the officer. What were the options open to the officer in that moment? Okay, um, and definitely, you know, first you said allegedly, I can tell you that there was a knife in her possession. So yes, the officer was flagged down. Uh, there was an argument and there was a potential fight going on and she did have a knife. Member rolled up, uh, uses air horn um, to try to dissuade it, stepped outside did verbal demands for her to drop the knife of which she refused so then she walks so the options comes up what what is the member going to do so the member is going to go do i let her walk and she potentially takes a knife and stabs somebody else especially given there was a homicide in Edmonton about a week and a half ago with a knife and i think about the terrible issue the terrible uh, homicides that occurred in Saskatchewan like just a month prior so you could let her let her walk and and potentially stab somebody or get in a fight with somebody on the use of force he's going to go with she has a knife am I going to pull my gun so if he uses if he uses firearm he's going to get a complaint out of that uh, if he has a taser he could use pull his taser he'll get a complaint out of that uh, he could go use his baton and hit her with it with which he'll get a complaint out of that uh, or uh, he can go hands-on of which he could probably get cut or killed himself so on so his what he deciphered in his mind was to give a push and you can tell by the video the push was um effective because she went down the knife was dropped and she was taken into custody now does it look pretty no it doesn't look pretty but use of force isn't pretty and we don't go in there this is not the movies this is not you know hollywood to do such things so uh i just want to let you know that he had a number of options and uh on the use of force of what he could have done this was extremely low like i said it doesn't look pretty but extremely effective is is shoving something that is taught in in uh, in police recruit school as a way of handling a situation of de-escalating something well, it's, you have a, a number of options that are available when you come through the training, right? So you look at things, because you look at uh, how he did this. So what was the first thing he did? Police presence. Police presence showed up, right? And you look at use of force as options. Presence. See what presence can do. Presence stopped the fight, but it didn't stop with a weapon. 
she tripped his horn, right, to try to get her attention, mm -hmm. get her stuff. Didn't work. What was next? Verbal direction. Verbal direction didn't work. So what's next? Well, let's go hands-on. Well, he's not going to go hands-on because of he could probably get injured himself. So, but he, I'll say that, could have used a taser, could have used a baton, could have let her walk away, but then he goes, well, what do I do in this situation? Because what if she goes harm somebody uh -huh, else? Then the uh -huh. complaint's going to come back and go, you knew it, she had a knife, and you let her walk away, and she went and injured somebody. Why didn't you stop that? So going physical on this aspect did work. And when I say going physical, it was a push. Some will go use a leg sweep. Some will say, I will try to get an arm bar, try to do a takedown. But like I said, going with the arm bar takes, puts the member in the position with the knife, and that's dangerous to him. Uh, the president of the Edmonton Police Association joining me this afternoon, Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott. I know that there was um, some comments made about the discrepancy in size between the woman and the police officer, and this was just one of the comments that was made. Um, I think it was by Judith Gale, the leader of the uh, Bear Clan Beaver Hills uh, House group, uh, says it was gross behavior from a civil servant, especially to one of our most vulnerable, a small little woman who was actually walking away, and she had her back turned on him, and therefore wasn't expecting a hit of that magnitude. Um, when it comes to size differences between the, the perpetrator and the officer, does that come into play at all when trying to de-escalate a tense situation, Mike? Um, size is going to matter. So you have somebody holding an edged weapon. It doesn't matter if that person is four foot eleven or six foot eight. They're holding an edge weapon, which can be used to kill somebody. And so that is the number one concern when you approach somebody with an edge weapon. And um, we can bring up studies to show how quickly things can turn with somebody with an edge weapon, and how they can probably harm or, unfortunately, could kill someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Criminal defense lawyer Tom Engel saying today that police need to be held accountable and uh, saying that an ACERT investigation with this case would take too long. Instead, wants the police commission to call for a public inquiry. Um, uh, do you believe a public inquiry is necessary? Um, like, uh, Mr. Engel can go off on his rhetoric, and uh, but that's fine. But uh, a public inquiry is it's not needed because if there were something here that met the um, situation where ACER had to get involved and met the criteria, ACER would get involved. If there was, if there's information comes to light that requires an investigation, either you know a complaint can be submitted to the professional standards branch for an investigation, or uh, if it does like it meet the criteria, ACER could step in as well, or you know the Minister mm -hmm. of Justice can order an outside agency to come in and do an investigation. Um, but we there's, there's nothing that indicate with such, and, um, and the commission the commission can do what they wish. They have it's their prerogative, and they can do that. But at this juncture, there's nothing there that would indicate that an investigation is required. It's tough, Sergeant Elliott. I know that, you know things are, are challenging for uh, you know on the streets, you know, especially in downtown Edmonton recently or over the past couple of years. Do incidents and interactions like this make things even more difficult on both sides? I know you can only speak from the police side, but I'm guessing that it it could challenge uh, relationships and any work that's being built up to try to alleviate the situations. Yeah, well, our, our members are doing a heck of a job in the, in the downtown core with the, the building relationships with the help unit, with um, the beat officers, and they and they make, because I believe um, the beat program is the best thing that's out there because you have public interactions on a daily basis. You get mm -hmm. to 
stakeholders, you get to know your business owners, you know, you, you get to know the vulnerable people. But unfortunately, when um, the violence occurs, and it's sad to say, but Edmonton is unfortunately, if you look at the statistics across the country, it's, it can be a violent city, and the, the, the stats show that. And But that's an unfortunate um, occurrence that it, when this happens, when there's violence occurs, we have to step in and take control of the situation. As I said previously, it doesn't look pretty, but it was extremely effective and no one was hurt in this, fortunately. Um, Mike, uh, over the years, I know there's been a lot of calls, especially in the past number of days, uh, suggesting that uh, Edmonton police officers need to be wearing uh, body-worn cameras. We know that there was a, a body-worn video pilot project done by the EPS uh, years back. Like I think it ran from 2011 to 2014. And uh, among the results in it, it showed that there was no evidence from the pilot that it reduced use of force incidents. There had been talk or there has been swirling talk that this is something that, you know, police services across the country should be doing. Um, is there any talk moving forward that this could be something that we see uh, within Edmonton Police? Well, I can tell you the Edmonton Police Association has always supported the idea of bringing in body-worn cameras. We think they can be very effective in uh, investigations, criminal investigations, police act complaints, where they can help clear members and um, exonerate them and clear complaints, especially frivolous complaints. On the second part, uh, there's about 30 studies out there right now that show that body-worn cameras are, do not change behavior of a, of a member or subjects that they encounter. Now, with that being said, if we want the public, if the public perception is that they need body-worn cameras, bring in body-worn cameras because if perceptions can become reality. Uh, in addition, so I know I and called upon a couple of city councillors to put a motion forward to, mm -hmm. you know, provide the funding to bring in the body-worn cameras. But it's not just as easy as purchasing a camera because when you purchase it, okay, you got to bring the storage, you got to do the training, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. got to store it for at least years yeah. for criminal, at least a year for police act, and the retention of that. And when when are you going to um, vet that information for, for civil liberties? Um, I think there was an uh, article came out of BC yesterday to trying to bring in body-worn cameras, and the BC Civil Liberties uh, did not like the idea because it was a breach of too many of their civil liberties for people that are being filmed. But in essence, I support body-worn cameras uh, in that. Oh, we always have here from the association. Need the money to do it, though, without a doubt. All right, Staff sure. Sergeant Michael Elliott, the president of the Edmonton Police Association, joining me this afternoon. Always appreciate your time. Thank you for this. Thank you. Yeah, you betcha, uh, the president of the Edmonton Police Association. And uh, I'll just go on record saying um, I believe that that police officer did the right thing in that moment, without a doubt.